being as insanely open-minded as possible while you're young Mm. trying as many different things as you possibly can while we still can because that's the only way you're going to find yourself in 1837 horace mann created the education system a system at the time designed to pump out factory workers and professors the same system that is still being used today in the 21st century now mann's system is backfiring We are being moulded by the same industrial system that has existed for close to 200 years. That system delivers us into a digital economy that has no need of our outdated skills. This isn't our teacher's fault. This isn't the government's fault. This is due to a rapidly changing world full of technology and unforeseen circumstances. And us Gen Zs are caught in the middle. Welcome to the Driven Young Podcast, the podcast for stressed, overwhelmed young Australians, teaching you practical life skills you can implement now to set yourself up in life. And now your host, Byron Dempsey. Welcome back to the Driven Young Podcast, and today is another great episode specifically targeting those of you in Gen Z who are feeling a little bit lost in life. Today, I'm joined by Nathan Moss, aka Uncle Nathan. He is a 19-year-old business student with a passion to help young people with what we should be learning in school, specifically mental health and financial literacy. He has created the brand Uncle Nathan and shares blog posts, graphics, and his podcast to his audience of young people wanting to learn more. Nathan got a hold of my phone number, sent me a video message, we grabbed a coffee, and now here we are. In this episode, we cover Nathan's schooling experience, how he felt like his identity was wrapped up in his marks, the only decision is the wrong decision. Why getting control of your finances is so important. The strategies we both use to get control of our finances, inflation, compound interest, long-term investings, ETFs, why we can't just print money, and so much more. This episode definitely turned into a money and finance episode, and it is so good. But there's still so much gold around mindset, comparison, imposter monster, and more. As per usual, if you enjoy this episode, please DM myself or go find Nathan and DM him, letting him know what you thought, and he's more than happy to answer any questions and have a chat with you guys. Please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts if you enjoy this episode. That really helps me out, and you can help support the show by buying me a coffee with the link in the bottom of the show notes. Now, over to Nathan. Nathan, welcome so much to the podcast. Cheers. Thanks for having me on, Byron. Really excited to uh, have this chat. Obviously, so you reached out to me just in, in... Oh, no, actually, you texted me. You got my number and reached out, which was... Did the video DM, which I'm a big fan of. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard me talk about that on the podcast, but like Luke and I, we're big fans of the video DM. So you just like video someone a message instead of just text it to them. You know, so that was really cool. Um, awesome yeah, to see absolutely. you implementing that strategy. Um, now, you're kind of... You're starting to build a brand called Uncle Nathan, which is very similar to like what I'm doing, which is basically all targeting Gen Z young people, helping them with practical life skills, a lot of stuff around mental awareness, mental health awareness, financial literacy, a few stuff like that. Um, tell me a little bit how you got started with that and like why you're doing that. Yeah. So Uncle Nathan was basically just this idea that came to me really out of the blue. Um, I work at my old high school and I basically help kids with learning disabilities get the HSC. Um, so in doing that, I sort of had this moment where I started to get a lot of kids coming who needed help or wanted help, but I didn't have enough hours in the day, in the school day to help them. Mm. Um, so I had this conundrum where I was like, there's this massive gap where kids want help, not only academically, but like mentally, like maybe they're suffering at school and they just want to chat, stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, how can I sort of be there for these kids without having to actually be there? Because they don't want to stay back for four or five hours after school. And I just don't have the time to. So anyway, that's where Uncle Nathan was born. I thought if I can put this online, then it's accessible to kids all day, every day. Whoever wants it can go get it. Um, and basically that's how it was born. Yeah. 
Mm. And so I guess for you, it was kind of like, I want to help kids. I'm kind of maxed out. My capacity, we're maxed out. What's the next thing I can do? How can I scale this so that I can reach more people and Mm. get this message out there? Yeah, totally. And I think that also stemmed from just the simple fact in like the amount of fulfillment that I felt in those first few weeks helping kids at school was like nothing I've ever felt before. Mm. Just being able to actually change like a kid's life in, in like the most minimal of ways. Like you think back to year 12, you're starting year 12 not knowing sort of what you're in for and just I think having me come in and be able to be like this is what's going to happen next was really like reassuring for those kids and seeing the confidence that that gave them was super fulfilling for me so i thought if i can do this with as many kids as possible then happy days yeah exactly and when we start year 12 we honestly have no idea what we're in for so people kind of give you a bit of a you know heads up but you've just got no idea until it hits you and you're like oh my god the stress the 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 amount of work oh but i've also got to do all the parties i'm Mm. 18 i can start drinking people starting at their license Mm. there's all these moving parts that just fit together and create this little perfect storm and you're like you're just getting hit hard which is why i think we're seeing high mental health issues with young people because a big part of it is the pressure they're under 100 percent, and like they haven't been there before yeah so they have no idea what they're in for in the fact that like i remember sitting in year 11 specifically being taught how to write an essay and i'm sitting there going i've never seen this before in my life mm. and like you look back on it now well i look back on it now and i'm like an essay is such a simple concept but it gave me so much stress trying to figure out how they work mm. and like you imagine a year 12 student now obviously like every year like 12 months ago compared to now is so different like you've got zoom in schools now and all of that obviously mm. because of covid but the idea that they're sitting there now with that stress plus the added stress of having to get a good mark because their parents are telling them to, they want to maybe, mm. their uni course requires it. It's, well, even it's intense. Do they want to or do they want to because that's how they've been conditioned and they've grown up? Mm. If you yeah, get a good true. mark, you're smart. If you get a good mark, you're you know, you're going to have a successful career. Mm. It's not necessarily the case. Yeah, it's of actually course. interesting. Like with my with my mark, I started year 12 with the goal of a 96 ATAR. That was my goal. 96 out of 100. 96. So very high. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to I wanted to do well. Like, And in saying that academically, like the part in year 9 and 10, I got ducks at school. So I was almost expected to do well. Mm. Like it was almost like that moment where if I don't do well, it's, oh, what happened to him? You've wrapped up your identity as yeah. the guy who gets good marks. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. And I set this 96 goal simply out of, I'm expected to do well, let's do well. My course only required a 90. And then anyway, at the end of it, I got 94 and I was disappointed. Yeah. Like I was upset with 94 because it wasn't 96. And like, it's such an absurd concept to like my family and my friends who are like, you did so well. And I'm like, yeah, but for some reason I had this idea that if I don't get 96, I'm not Nathan Moss anymore. Mm. And like, that was a big shock for me. That's, did you go to private school? Uh, public. Public. Okay. Mm. So what I am seeing with private schools in particular is obviously private schools have a higher expectation on their kids than public schools. Mm. Um, and so what you see is they just have, they have such high expectations that these kids are going to get really high marks. Mm. And the kids, you're not even sure why you're getting high marks. Mm. You're kind of conditioned, as I mentioned, you think if I get high marks, it'll be successful. Yeah, look, if you get high marks, that's more impressive than getting lower marks, but that doesn't d- determine how successful you're going to be in life. Mm. It comes down to your work ethic, who you know, you know how hard you, you know what you put in, what you put out. There's so many variables mm. to being successful successful in life, taking risks, getting yep. out of your comfort zone, which we were speaking about before. Yeah. Like there's so many things that just sitting and writing an essay isn't actually going to dictate. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And that's sort of the thing I started to realize towards the end of year 12 and more so now that I'm at uni is that I, I'm not in it anymore to prove 
to someone else that I'm intelligent. Yeah. I'm in it to prove to myself that I can do these new things that scare me a little and do well in it. So, like, for instance, at uni, I do all my classes online because I don't care about the content. Mm. Like, I'm not... I'm doing a business degree and a Bachelor of Creative Intelligence. I'm not there to say I've got a business degree. I'm there to say I met all these cool people and I did all these extracurricular things that scared the shit out of me, but now I can get this like massive growth potential out of it because, like for instance, I'm doing a case team. The case team is all about – it's basically consulting. So you uh given a question, you have to basically answer the question for a business and then present that answer, like mm. the solution. Um And that requires so much public speaking. And like, yeah, I've dabbled with public speaking throughout school, but to do that in front of big business people scares the crap out of me. Mm. But like each time it's on, I love it because I get this feeling, like I was telling you before, hands get sweaty and I get nervous. But at the end of it, I'm like, I did it and I was fine. So here's the thing about that. When we talk about comfort zones, right? If we imagine you're inside your comfort zone and what you've just said is that's when you're stepping out of it. When your hands are sweaty, mm. you know, knees weak, arms are heavy, that sort of stuff. And you're, and you're feeling this anxiety, you're feeling stressed, you're going, you've got, you feel very uncomfortable because you're stepping out of your comfort zone. Perfect example. You're mm. speaking, you, you step on stage in front of your school. You're in front of a whole bunch of business people and you're pitching mm. them or whatever. That's stepping out. Now, what do most people do in life? Do they just keep pushing forward or they push back? Yeah, push they push back. back. They step so back scared. into their comfort zone where they're comfortable. Yeah. And so what happens is if you can push through that, as you just mentioned, how good do you feel afterwards? How amazing mm. do you feel? It's like, oh, actually, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. Oh, I feel great now. 100%. Even if you stuff it up. Yeah. You, at first, you might be, oh, I can't if I stuff it up. A week later, you're going to be like, you know what? I learned so much from that experience. Mm. I'm never going to stuff up again because I've done it. Yeah. So now next time I speak, it's going to be way better. 100%. I always fall back on this thing that my dad told me when I was younger is that the only wrong decision is no decision. Yeah. And like, if you're in that sort of space where it's like, do I do this thing that scares me or do I not? Either way you choose, you're going to learn something from it. Mm. So if you do it and it scares you, maybe you stuff up, maybe you don't. You learn that, oh, that was a good experience. I grew. If you don't do it, maybe you learn that I probably should have done it. Hopefully you learn that I probably should have done it because Mm. you would have expanded as a person. But if you sort of sit there and you're like, I don't know what to do and it just passes by, you've missed this opportunity for learning about yourself or growing yourself. Yeah. And it's I would rather take that risk than in a week's time look back and be full of regret that I didn't do it. Mm. So, so I know I'm going to regret it if I don't do this. Yeah, I can imagine a great example. You're on top of a massive hill on a bike. Mm. Everyone's going down. And you're saying, oh, should I do this? Should I do this? If you don't do that, you know, a week later after, or even like an hour later after everyone's mm. gone down the hill, had a fun time and you're sitting there like, oh, I bitched it. Mm. You're going to regret that. 100%. And so it's like, even though you might, you know, eat shit when you go down that hill, mm. by taking that risk, you're going to feel a lot better when you, you know, get down. 100%. And you, I, I use that concept in, so like, I guess I'm a little bit of an adrenaline junkie and I take, like, a lot of times on the weekends when I was younger, we'd go to rock jumps, like, mm. all the time, like, you got manly jump rock, like, warred blowhole, all those sort of things. And every single time I stay on the edge of that cliff about to jump into the water, it scares the shit out of me. Mm. But as soon as you land in the water and you look up, you're like, that was amazing. You just do it over and over and over. And it just, that whole, I I could get the most benefit when I'm the most scared. Yeah. And how easy is it the second time once you've already done it? Once you jump into the water, you're like, oh, that was, that was not so bad. Exactly. And it's the same with everything. As soon as you do that first, get over that first mound, Mm. the other mounds get so much smaller. The first, you know, first thousand followers is the hardest. The first mm. whatever is the first year of uni often might mm. be the hardest because you're yeah. adjusting and everything. Totally. The first whatever, the first jump off a rock, the mm. first time going down a hill, it's always going to be the hardest. Mm. But that's where the most growth, most growth happens. Yeah. It's the hardest, like 
in doing it. And it's also the hardest to actually take that first step as well. For sure. Um, and I think that's definitely something we need to, I guess, encourage like in those like crucial development years, like in school, like year nine, year 10, year 11, is we need to encourage people to get out of their comfort zone because it's definitely not something that you really taught in school. You given the option to do those things, but like if it scares you, the chance of you saying yes to taking that option is so minimal. Yeah. If it scares you, you should do it. Yeah, 100%. Discomfort precedes victory. Mm-hmm. That's what we say. Discomfort precedes victory. If you mm-hmm. want to be victorious, if you want to, you know, get to one in life, you got to take risks. You got to get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And subtle little plug here, but that's my school talk, right? Mm-hmm. I was telling yeah. you before, like, yeah, yeah. I'm starting to speak at school. So if you're in Sydney, you know, reach out to me. I'll come <laughs> speak to you to school. Likewise. Yeah. And I'll do comfort zones. This is what my talk's about, getting yeah. out of your comfort zone. So, and that, the, the fact that this is my school talk, which is I have 45 minutes with a group of young people. What's the one message I want to get across? My message is getting out of your comfort zones and taking risks while you're young. Yeah. That should tell you how important I think this is. Yeah. 100%. I agree. I agree. 100%. It's, it's one of those things that teachers don't tell you to do because, and like, I'm, I'm not trying to have a dig, but like, no, well, they can't really teach comfort yeah, zones, can they? It's, it's so difficult for someone who is 30, 20, 30, 40 years older to be like, oh, you've got all these opportunities today because the opportunities for kids today are so much different to the opportunities for kids back then. Mm. And like, yeah, they're involved and sort of see what's going on, but it is really hard for a teacher to be like, oh, you've got a public speaking thing coming up. This is what you get out of it. I don't listen to my teachers when yeah. they talk to me about like mindset and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's definitely something that needs to be addressed by having like younger people like yourself and I sort of trying to share our experience to inspire others to take a similar approach. Yeah, and a lot of it comes down to relatability, right? Um, and it, a lot, I think a lot of it, when it, if we're going to talk about like teachers and stuff, because like I've made it pretty clear, I think teaching is one of the most important roles in society. And I think it's quite corrupt in Australia, especially I think the low to be, the mark and the barrier to be a teacher is so low. Mm. I mean, we get a lot of people who just do it because they don't know what else to do and they mm. don't act, they're not actually passionate. Um, there's a lot of different stuff I could talk about there. But I think... Teachers need to treat us more like adults. Mm. And so my English teacher, I talk about her a lot because she's such such an amazing woman. I think she was like the assistant for Kerry Packer or like one of the Packers wow. or something. And so she, she'd often just throughout class, she'd just sit and tell us her stories about life. Yeah. And, and she'd, t- treat, she'd treat you like adult. You know, sometimes she'd, you know, say a swear word. God yeah. forbid. Yeah. You know, and she was hard ass as well. If they you were always up, the best teachers though. Yeah. If she, yeah. if she'd kick, kick out the dickhead to the class, she'd mm. get rid of them. Great. Cause they're annoying. And, you know, she'd learn with her and she had real world experience where she mm. could bring her, her real world experience. Yeah. Totally. We mentioned before off camera, I think a big problem with a lot of the education system teachers is some of them have never been in the real world. Mm. School's supposed to prepare you for the real world, I say in quotation marks, or for life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of the teachers have been high school, university, high school. Yeah. And in saying that, like my business teacher, he'd run multiple businesses before he came back to high school to teach business. And he was the teacher that I learned the most from. Of course. If like that life experience is so important. And if we could have teachers that have that life experience, I mm. feel like the school system would work a lot better. Absolutely. Of course, you're going to learn more from the business teacher that's actually run businesses, yeah, right? Of course. Exactly. It just makes sense. But like, there's not many of them at all. Oh, no. There's, especially in high school. Yeah, yeah. Even in like universities, a lot of yeah. the te- business professors and teachers haven't run businesses. Mm. Um, you know, you've got unis like Harvard and stuff, which have a big enough name they can bring in the top business people in the world. Totally. So it's very different. Totally. The average university, it's like, because the thing is, business people who run successful businesses aren't professors. They're yeah. running their business. Exactly. And so that's where it's like the paradox. Something's gone wrong for them to, well, not gone wrong, but something's changed for them to go out of business and come yeah. back. And maybe they've just you know, wanted to retire and yeah. they've just gone into yeah. business, which is yeah, great. Yeah. Um, but that's where, you know, getting into this kind of school talk, you can actually mm. see 
the problem not the problem with teachers but an issue that mm. i think i'm seeing in school yeah i think the other big thing like along those lines is the idea of learning from doing i feel mm. like that's not done enough these days no way it's more you sit in class read the board like it's like what you were saying before with the pizza analogy i'm not sure what you named that uh relatable learning yeah i can't remember what it is but she talks about just like when it comes to math how do we make it we're far more likely to want to learn math if we can see it in a relatable example. Yeah. So, to clarify the example I was t- telling you before, it was a pizza one. I've said it before. Um, if you go to you know primary school kids and you say, all right, we're going to learn about quarters. We're going to learn how to cut the circle into four different pieces. Mm. Each piece represents one quarter, right? Yeah, They're not yeah. going to really care. Yeah. But if you say, you know, who here likes pizza? Are you like pizza? Josh, what, what's your favorite pizza? Mm. Get them all excited. All right. Who's the hungriest person in the class right now? All right. You're going to pick four people. Mm. All right. The four of you, what pizza do you want? They're going to go, all right, meat lovers. Okay. let's. Okay. We're going to get meat lovers pizza. Now, who wants the biggest piece? They all put up their hands, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, if you all want the biggest piece, that means we have to split up the pizza evenly. Mm. Now, how do we do that? We cut it up like this. Now, you can see there are four pieces here. These are called quarters. Yeah, yeah. What are they called? Quarters. And so, now that they understand, okay, I relate that to pizza. If I want to split a pizza, I need to cut it into quarters or whatever. Mm. Now, it's relatable. And it's like, and this isn't, it might be backed up by psychology, but I don't know if it is. It's goes back to this thing where they now have this positive experience of something they enjoy connected to not the negative, but like this thing that is usually mundane in learning about quarters. Yeah. And that'll stick with them for the rest of their life. Like I know for me, the biggest things at school that have actually stuck with me are things that I can look at, learn, and then be like, oh, that literally happened to me yesterday. Mm. And then it stuck because I just make that connection. Yeah. And I feel like that's not done enough anymore. It's just you go to class, take notes, go home write it out, sit the exam, regurgitate it. And then you forget about it once the Done. exam's over, right? Exactly, yeah. And even when you ask teachers, you'd be like, when, when am I going to use this? Half of them can't even answer you. Yeah, fully. Or, my they, biology, or they get angry at you. Yeah, my biology teacher, who's probably the most amazing teacher I've ever met, like she's the only reason I kept that subject because I didn't like the subject, but she's mm-hmm. so incredible. Um, and she, you know, she said to me, she's just like, look, guys, you probably don't need to know this stuff in real life, but it's on the exam. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to get good marks, you need to pass the exam. Yeah. And that is that is... The sad thing about school these days is that it is still that way. Mm. You have to study well and just force this information into your brain Cram and it. then throw it back out to do well at school. Mm. And that often determines what happens next. And as a result, it actually crushes our ability to critically think mm. because all we do is, oh, we see this, we have to do that. Yeah. We just follow the rules. There's no creativity. You just follow the rules. You're not being creative. You're not thinking, yeah. oh, how do I think outside the box? Like. Mm. When I, for my major work in year 12, I did rebuilt a motorbike. Wow. And so that was practical. I was just doing. Yeah, so we yeah. did, the first year was mainly theory, but then we worked on our project. So I mm. rebuilt a motorbike from all these like spare parts and stuff. Mm. I didn't know how to do that. Yeah. I had to figure it out on the fly. Yeah, and that's yeah. how I learned. I and was like, all right. Part, yeah. And I, you do critically think, especially with motor. Mm. This was a 1983 bike. So everything goes wrong. Yeah. All the bolts are rusted. Mm. You can't plan it. And so that's where you have to start thinking. And that's where I got the most out of because yeah. I was doing it. I wasn't sitting in a classroom just taking notes. Totally. I told and you about Empower You, right? Yeah, yeah. I just posted a video of Empower You and it was all dancing. And you're like, do you just dance to this thing? Yeah. It's like, well, every, before every section, we do a huge dance. Everyone dances. We play games. We do like really, mm. not cheesy games. We do like really fun games that get teamwork involved. And there's yeah, like yeah. strategy and there's, um, you know, rewards and stuff. And that, because we're doing a 12 hour day of learning. So, you know, a bunch of those hours is just fun. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's what it needs to be for younger people. Like, I'm still young. I learn best when I'm enjoying it. Mm. I Like, I see it. Oh, my gosh. It is so evident in my uni course at the moment. 
last year compared to this year is so different. Last year, I went into my uni course knowing where I wanted to go after uni. I said, I'm going to do a business degree because I want to be an investment banker afterwards. Mm. This year, I've got Uncle Nathan. That's my passion. That's what I do every single day. At the end of each night, that's what I'm thinking about. As soon as I wake up every morning, that's what I'm thinking about. Mm. So I'm sitting in business this week listening to these lecturers talk about some financial concept and I'm going, I don't enjoy this at all because it, it's not relevant to me anymore, but I'm still sitting there just listening, trying to get through it. Mm. And I, I've lost complete value in it because there's no room for me to apply that to what I want to do anymore. Yeah. And I feel like that's what needs to change. A hundred percent. And business is a big one because business is one of those degrees where you're like, I'm not sure what I want to do. Oh, I think a business degree will open up doors. I think yeah. that's, you know, that's quite a, they allow me to get a lot of different jobs. Mm. Yes and no. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, look, having a business degree is good. But if you want to run a business, don't get a business degree because business degree, as you mentioned, if you want to be an investment banker, if you want to go into corporate, mm. if you want to have a management position, that's where it can be useful. Yeah. Um, but it just it's one of those degrees, business, law, I see a lot, two degrees, um, psychology as well, probably the three degrees I see where people aren't mm. passionate about it, but they go, oh, I think I'm kind of interested in that. Oh, yeah, 100%. And it's such a big decision to make off yeah. a hunch. <laughs> and expensive one. <laughs> big, it's... Time and expense. Yeah. it's And I always go back to this example of like universe tradie, whereas like a tradie, you drop out in year 10, maybe do an apprenticeship. You're making, say, something minimal, like, and don't quote me on this, maybe like 20K mm. sort of throughout year 10 to year 12 while everyone else is still at school, mind you. And then you get to one year after year 12, you finish your apprenticeship. You've got a full-time job. You've made money throughout the past three yeah. years, whereas all your friends are going into uni about to spend 20K on a degree. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. It just doesn't. And people will make fun of tradies. Like, it's a, you know, a dropkick thing to do. And it's like, do you realize they're getting paid to learn mm. or you're paying to learn? Exactly. And their skill is in more demand than probably most uni degrees. Exactly. Tradies are in massive demand in Australia right now. Yeah, yeah. I look at my friends and they've all got, like, sick Forbies driving yeah. around, like, having the time of their lives. And I'm sitting here as a broke uni student going... I've got $30 in my account because I've had uni all, all week, so I can't work. Yeah. And, like, it's 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 almost depressing. Yeah. And, um, look, the caveat is you can get a bad back. You can get sore after a long time. It is, you know, after many years, being a tradie can be quite mm-hmm. demanding on the body, depending mm-hmm. on what you're doing. If you're an electrician, maybe if you're a plumber. But totally. uh, what I've seen is a great option is yeah. start your own trades business and just mm-hmm. employ tradies. And now you're just running the business. 100%. And that is what a lot of them do. I'm. And I mean, the other side of that as well is going to uni gives you the potential potential to earn a lot more yes, afterwards. for sure. Um, so, it does work. It's, it does balance itself out. But it always goes back to this idea of if uni's not for you, don't force it. Mm. it. It doesn't make sense to force it because you pay for it. Yeah. And you'll be paying for it for a long time after uni. Yeah. Look, the money is quite expensive. Mm. But look, let's ignore the money. For me, it's the time. Mm. What you can achieve in three years will mm. blow your mind. Mm. Like, what I've done in the past year alone since COVID hit, like, you know, I started a TikTok. I basically started this podcast in a year. Like, I've, mm. I've met so many cool people. And it's just like the opportunity cost of the time you're spending, you know, 30 hours a week at uni. Mm. Look, if it's, if you enjoy it, great, do it. And if you're passionate about it. But if you, as you said, you're starting to come to a realization where you're like, actually, my goals have changed. My vision has changed, which is quite normal when you're young. Mm, totally. Is this what I want to do? Yeah. And, same as you, like Uncle Nathan is such a new thing for me. I started working on it in September last year and then launched it on the 1st of Jan this year. So it's been two and a bit months 
and I look back at the entirety of last year. So my whole first year uni experience between January and December or January and September when I started Uncle Nathan, nothing changed. Mm. Nothing changed at all. I learned a little bit through my course, but not a whole lot. The only thing that really helped me learn was the case team because of that experiential learning. Yeah. But between because January- you're actually doing something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And between January and now, <laughs> my mindset and like my vision and sort of where I want to go has changed ridiculously. Yeah. And that's got nothing to do with units because I'm actually doing something. Like with Uncle Nathan, I'm giving stuff a go. I'm making so many mistakes and learning from those mistakes. Mm. And I get so much more out of that than sitting behind a desk taking notes. Absolutely. And when's the best time to make mistakes? When, when you're young. When you're young. Yeah. You can afford it. Exactly. Because there's no consequences, really. No mortgage, no rent to pay, maybe. No family, no bills. Fact is, even if you have to pay rent to your family or whatever it has, mm. chances are this is the least amount of expenses you have in your entire life, mm. maybe until you retire or something. Yeah, yeah. But for the foreseeable future, yeah. you're never going to have this low amount of consequences. Yeah. You probably you might be single. You're probably not married. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's just so many things. It's like, take risk now. Yeah. And there this is-, is what I always go back to, like, because I'm so passionate about teaching finance from a young age mm. is that, like, I always encourage if it's possible to stay at home for as long as possible and to not buy the newest, greatest, most expensive car. Mm. Get get a little shit box that costs 50 bucks a week to run. Yeah. Like, that's what I do. And it gives me so much more money to then invest and grow that money to then one day be able to buy the newest car. Exactly. And um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting topic moving out of home, right? Because mm. I've kind of got the two things. It's like, stay at home for as long as you can. Up until a certain point, yeah, I think definitely. if you're 27 and you're still at home, it's like you need to have some. You need to start being an adult. You need to have some independence. You need to yeah. learn. I think it does get. I think it does get a point where it's like stop relying on your parents. You need to start cooking your own meals. You need to have 100%. a bit of independence. Yeah, yeah. However, stay as long as you can at the same time. Totally. And, but if you're going to stay at home, leverage that. Oh, 100%. you can stay at home and play PlayStation and do nothing all week day. No. Sure. But if you're going to do it, take advantage of the fact you're not paying rent and you've got all the food coming in for free Yeah, totally. by working on something that maybe not is not bringing you any money. Yeah. And like that's what I always um, – that's one of the big lessons that I push is that when we're young, sort of between that 18 to 21 stage, if you're still at home, I always encourage – and I'm doing the same thing – the amount you would pay in rent, put it into a separate yeah. account and invest it. Dude, this is such a good quote for yeah. you because I do this my – because I've – look, I'm a few years older than you, but so I actually moved out for a year. Mm. And it was a good learning experience for me. I had a lot more money coming in, mm. but I had the same thing. It's like, man, I could be saving 250 bucks a week. Exactly. That's so much money to be saving a week. Yeah. And um, what my logic is, like I had a credit card for Apple, right? And so I had this habit of just like I pay X amount of dollars every single month for like a long time because mm. I had to put I, – I needed my laptop, a few things I put on that. And it was mm. interest-free, so I didn't pay anything in interest. Yeah. Um, However, once that finished, I was like, you know what? I've already built this habit. I'm just going to keep putting $250 away, but instead of paying it off to Apple, I'm going to put it into a savings account, totally. an investments account, because yeah. I've already built the habit. Exactly. So exactly. whenever you're paying off a loan or a car loan or something, if you've got, if you're used to the habit and mm. you're used to it and you can survive without it, yeah. just keep putting it away, put it somewhere safe. 100%. <laughs> and it just goes back to that idea of paying yourself first. Yeah. It's figure out where, where your circumstances lie. What can you afford to save each week and do that first? Yeah. And then the rest you can have fun with. Yeah. It's like, that's what I always say. I try to save at least 30% of what I get. And as soon as I get paid, that goes out. I don't even see it. It's just gone. Yeah. And then whatever's left over, then I decide, okay, this can go here. This can go here. Maybe I'll go out on Saturday night. Maybe I'll go on a holiday, put it in a savings account for a holiday. Mm. Like just all those different things. But 
if you do that before putting money away for savings, it'll be gone before you decide to do it. That's Parkinson's law. I was telling you before. Like Parkinson's law dictates whatever time you have as humans will find a way to fill it. Mm. So it's the same with money. Whatever money you have in your account, we will find a way to spend that. So if you get paid $1,000 a week, and what you should be doing is automa- like if you get paid on Sunday, you should have an automation set up in your bank account for Monday morning mm. to take out 30%. Yep. Exactly. At, bare minimum, at bare minimum, it needs to be 10%. Mm-hmm. But we're young. You should be able to do 30. So let's say you take out so $300, right? $300 from your bank account goes into another bank account. Yeah. Bang, out of sight, out of mind. You've mm. now got to survive off that $700 and you'll find a way to do it. Oh, 100%, especially I, while we're young. Yeah, and I actually do it even further than you. I actually take out my holidays straight away as well. Yeah, so I'll nice. do investment, holidays, and then nice. I'll have a splurge account, which is like the barefoot strategy, yeah, yeah, yeah. where it's just like fun money. It's like 50 yeah. bucks a week or something. Yeah, of and you, and the, the rule of the fun money is you kind of have to spend it. Mm. It's like permission to let loose. Yeah, 100%. And that is, I think, the big reason why a lot of kids or like young people don't do that is because they're not sure how to. So that's like something I try and push a lot through Uncle Nathan is showing not so much why it's important, but just how to do it. Because mm. I think a lot of young people understand the benefit of like investing and saving, but it's more the fact of, yeah, I get that it's good for you, but I have no idea how to do it. Mm. Um, and that's definitely something I try and push through Uncle Nathan is this, this idea of, okay, here's step one. You're going to open up a bank account with a separate bank. Here's step two. Each week, you're going to have this automatic transaction set up mm. where $50 goes straight to the other account and you don't touch it. And like, it's just those simple steps that help people sort of consolidate that and actually yeah. get into good habits. Yeah. And look, and then you can go even further. Like you can, we can do investment apps. We can do apps, which like Spaceship is a fan, an app I'm a big fan of, which is a managed fund. Mm. That app allows you to pull money straight out of your bank account. You just say like, every two weeks, pull this much money out of my bank account. Yeah. So you could go from, you know, you put money from this bank account, you get paid, you put that into an investments bank account, and then Spaceship pulls money from your investments bank account and invests that into companies. Yeah. You could literally, I've set this up. I don't touch my money at all. Exactly. It's all automated. Yeah. It's so easy. I've got such a good example on that last year. So I use Raise, which yeah, is yeah. basically the same as Spaceship. Yeah. So every time you tap your card, Raise automatically rounds that up to the nearest dollar mm-hmm. and invest what that 30 cents yeah. or whatever it is. I use a similar app called Bamboo. Yeah, same, yeah, yeah. Same thing. And last year, so I had that set up, plus I had $50 a fortnight going into the account. Yeah. And last year, I got to this point where I started Uncle Nathan and all of my cash was gone because I had all these random expenditures like really quickly after each other. And I'm sitting there going, okay, I don't get paid for another three weeks. What am I going to do? And like, yeah, obviously I'm lucky enough to have my parents who would always help me out. Yeah. But I avoid relying on them. Yeah. But the whole, like the benefit of Raze and all these apps like Spaceship and Bamboo is that you forget you have them. Yeah. And I just literally went onto my phone one morning, looked at Raze. I was like, oh, I fully forgot about that. Looked on there, 700 bucks. Yeah. And I'm like- what and that's my own money yeah. which has just been sitting there in the stock market technically so those returns are much better than what you would have got in a bank account and that's Especially the now. whole benefit of it um so i'm like oh okay great i've got this cash that i forgot about let's just give it back to myself and i can live off that until i get enough to sort of um chuck that back in after i get paid mm. and it was yeah. awesome 100 percent. and that's the idea of the the concept of bamboo is similar to raise like it rounds up your dollars and you can automatically transfer money in and stuff you should just set it up once and not look at it for a year mm-hmm. because it's micro investing. Yeah. Especially right. Spaceship is a bit different. I put a lot more money into that, but mm. bamboo for me, it's just micro investing. It's a small amount. It's a piggy, it's a virtual piggy bank, basically. Yeah. You put well, your loose change into a piggy bank, mm-hmm. raise and bamboo. It's like your loose change. It's a piggy bank that gives you money for having money in it. Yeah. Which is like, it's the most amazing thing to me is this idea of compound interest mm. is that having your money work for you makes so much sense to me. 
rather than having it in a bank, which, yeah, you earn interest. But like at the moment in our interest rate environment, it is so low, so minimal, you hardly notice it. So one or two percent. Yeah. In it's fact, less I'm, than that. It's less yeah. than inflation, they're saying. Yeah, it which is. Which means that any money you've got right now, 2020, February, we're mm. talking about, any money you've got in a bank account, if it's like 1.2%, mm. and if inflation is rising at 2%, it means that if you leave your money in that bank account it's over time, point. your money is worth less. Yeah. People and don't understand that. The cash rate at the moment, so the cash rate is what interest rates are based on in the Australian economy. The mm. cash rate is at 0.1%. Mm. 0.1%. That means for every dollar, you get 10 cents. If interest rates are usually a little bit higher, so interest rates you might be getting maybe 0.5%. So for every dollar you've got in your bank account, you'd be getting 5 cents back on it. Mm. Like that is, it's, it's nothing. nothing. Whereas yeah. in an um, like in an ETF, which is an exchange traded fund, which is like, the most simple of investment vehicles, it basically invests in the biggest companies within the market. Yeah. So like, like S&P 500. Yeah. yeah. So like for me, I'm in the ASX 200, which yeah. is the top 200 companies in Australia. And the S&P 500 is the top 500 companies in America. Yeah. Tesla, yeah. Uber, all, all, the those, ones. all the sexy companies. That you exactly. See. Yeah. yeah. And like both of those averaged 10% each year for the last 40 years. Yeah. 10%. Yeah. Compared to 0.5%. I'm yeah. taking 10% every yeah. year. And I don't look, care if it goes down. That's on average, right? It means if it goes down... It'll go down, but if you just hold long term, mm. it's a pretty safe bet. Those those ETFs and those totally. managed funds and stuff. Yeah. And same spaceship is the fifty companies, fifty tech companies. Tesla's mm. in there, Uber's in there, Afterpay, mm. and you own a very small percentage of each company. Mm. Now, look for me. The past week, it's gone down, yeah, but I'm, it's a long term. It's a long term strategy. You've got to hold long term. And when we say long term, I don't mean six months. You know, we're talking years. Yeah, I I've got this rule, and it's based off Warren Buffett's rule. First rule is don't lose money, which means don't sell when it goes down. That's what I take mm. Warren Buffett's rule of don't lose money as. The second rule is buy something with the idea that I'm going to hold it for at least five years. Mm. So I don't buy stocks unless I believe in the business and I think it's going to be a thing for at least five years, a thing that's growing. And recently, and like another thing that I try and push through Uncle Nathan is this idea of ETFs because it spreads your risk um, across so many different assets. Yeah. It's like not putting all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. So if you go into the stock market for the first time and try and buy one stock, the risk of that going down is 50-50. Mm. You've got one chance. Whereas an ETF, like the ASX 200, you've got 200 different stocks. Yeah. If 50 go down, but 150 go up of those stocks, you're going up. Yeah. It makes it's, so much sense. It's much. It's lower risk, lower reward. Yeah, because of course. It's, but a 10% return is great. Oh, you, yeah. on, if you invest in Tesla, you might get an 80% return last mm. year, right? I think mm. it was even higher. Something yeah, ridiculous, yeah. right? Massive. But at the same time, that could have gone down 80%. Mm. So that's a totally. risk you take. Totally. And, and that's, that's how I try and structure my portfolio is build the bulk of the portfolio. So let, let's say you have 10K. Mm. For me, I'd put five or $6,000 into ETFs that are going to average a good growth rate Risk isn't too high, but the reward isn't massive. Mm. And then you play around with the rest. You can throw it into those stocks that you think are going to go up. You can throw it into cryptocurrency if you want mm. and all that sort of stuff. But I think having that that foundation to fall back on in case things do go wrong is super important. Yeah. And ETS, look, we're not saying they are safe, but they're safer. Yeah. They're safer options than getting a single stock. Mm-hmm. And so it's a great thing to look into, definitely. And um, yeah, I, I think it's really important that we should be learning. It's not. It's not hard. Like, I'm sure if you're listening to this, that was like a 10-minute conversation on finance. You probably learned just some, a few com- simple things. Yeah, What totally. is ASX 200? Oh, I didn't realize it's the top 200 companies in Australia. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fully, simple, really. It's really simple. What's the, yeah. a, what's the S&P 500? The top 500 companies in America. Yeah. 
And why is that not taught in schools? I don't know. I didn't know what the S&P 500 was for ages. I just heard about it. And I I didn't have the guts to ask anyone because I didn't want to look stupid. Yeah. So I got lucky enough to just stumble upon it when I was 16 and Googled the crap out of it. Mm. Like every day I spent hours Googling stock market investing and all that. And I got so lucky in that regard. And that's what I think that's a big reason behind Uncle Nathan is this idea of pushing that further and help other kids figure out how helpful that is mm. versus learning calculus. We are in a world where we're surrounded by information. Like you would be a fool not to take advantage of it. Mm. If you're going to absorb all this information on TikTok and Instagram, which is really harming you, why would you not, you know, consume information that's actually beneficial for you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a great example, right? Is if you want to learn about stocks in advanced way, I spoke about this on one of my most recent episodes. Go to the ASX website. They have a free course. Yeah. Completely free. Exactly. Shows you everything you need to do. It doesn't cost you a single dollar. Yeah. I'm sure it's the same in any other country. Whatever the main, you know, stock website is there. Mm-hmm. Just search that. You'll find a free course done by professionals. Exactly. And that's the, so when I was in year, uh, year nine, it was when I first sort of learned about investing. First thing I did was ask my homeroom teacher, which is kind of like your, I guess, supervisor at school. I asked him, what teacher do you know or what person do you know that invests? And he said, Mr. Gemmel. Mr. Gemmel, little shout out if you're listening, probably not, but most influential person I've ever met. Mm. So I went to him and I said, I want to learn how to invest. What should I do first? He said, do you know what the ASX is? I was like, nope. And he goes, go home and Google ASX and then go from there. And I was like, okay, thanks for the advice. Like you told me to Google something. Are you serious? Mm. And I went home, Googled it. And you're right. They have all these courses. Yeah. You figure out what the actual stock market is because that's the first thing that no one really understands is yeah. what the stock market is and what it does. And also no one, still no one understands the stock market. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's important to understand that no one understands. Yeah. Because we think mortgage brokers, all these people, they know what's going on. Mm. No one has any, any idea what's going on with the stock market. Yeah, totally. And that, oh my, I didn't want to get into this, but that's the whole GameStop thing lately is yeah. that people are looking at GameStop and going like, oh, it's so easy to make money in the stock yeah. market. If it was that easy, everyone would be rich. Yeah, exactly. It's and I think people are going to get so burnt with GameStop and these and Dogecoin and stuff. They're like, oh, oh it's, just, yeah, it's a no. meme. I'll put money into it. Oh, and, no, and then no, it just, no. it's going to drop out of nowhere and they're going to be like, oh, what? <laughs> and then they're going to blame people. Yeah. And they'll blame Elon Musk because he tweeted Dogecoin or whatever. Exactly. Like, just because he tweeted Dogecoin doesn't mean you had to invest in it. Exactly. That's your, de- that's your decision. Yeah. Like the stock market exists to value businesses. Mm. That is that is it. That it's, it's pure existence. And that even is the then, reason. what are the businesses value- valued off? It's exactly. not profit. Yeah. Because if you look at Tesla, they haven't pulled a profit until like the past three years. Mm-hmm. It's fear and greed. Yeah. And that's that's the problem with the stock market and getting into those volatile things like Bitcoin, Dogecoin, GameStop, is that right now that business is valued based on what people think it will be valued in a mm. few weeks' time. So the problem with GameStop is like, and I saw a lot of my friends get into it, as soon as it went up 100%, everyone's like, oh, everyone's buying, I'm going to buy. Yeah. But that 100%, Everyone who made that is going to run out. Exactly. So they're like, okay, I'm done. And then yeah. it drops heaps and it happens every time. Like I can almost guarantee if a stock goes up 100%, tomorrow it's going down yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And that's how it goes. Stocks, it always goes up, then it goes down. It exactly. Goes up, and it's always going to level itself out. Exactly. Um, and it's, that's, there's this one quote. I think it, I can't remember who came up with it, but it was, um, this too shall pass. And the whole reason that quote was, um, come up with is because I wish I remembered who it was, but, the idea was to create a sentence that would always hold true. And that sentence is this too shall pass. And I always think of that when investing is whatever's happening right now, it will change. Mm. Like there's no doubt about it. Yeah, it might change and go up again or it might change and go down again, mm. but it will change. And I think too many people go into the stock market with this idea of 
it's going well now, which means it will continue to go yeah. well. Oh, last year I got, you know, Spaceship last year got a 50% return. Mm. That's insane. <laughs> Doesn't mean it's going to happen this year. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Same with Tesla. Yeah. Yeah. But people, and past performance does not dictate future performance. That's the biggest thing in the stock market. Like, and that's where, you know, people, it's, it's so sexy because you mm. see a high interest rate from the past 12 months and you're mm. like, I want to, I want a taste of that. Exactly. And then you jump in and it might be, you know, 5%. And like, look at us getting so passionate about talking about it. Yeah. Imagine if this was taught in year nine, 10, 11, 12. Yeah. Like, you would have 20 year olds that are so cluey mm. about what they're doing with their money, what the world's doing. You'd have businesses that are run by geniuses. Yeah who actually understand finance. And here's the thing. Teachers will be like, oh, this is too complicated. You can't teach this. Yeah, we're just sitting here talking for 20 minutes. If you actually created a structured program, you created money, you you, you had visual representations of inflation. Mm. There's a little exercise. Um, actually, Luke, you, you know Luke, my mate Luke, he was saying, hey, I think he did it at school or something. They had like a minty mm. and everyone had like 50 cents. And they said, oh, okay, I'm, I'll sell the minty for 50 cents. And then they slowly gave him more money, more money. Suddenly everyone had, you know, $5. Mm. What's he going to sell the minty for? Yeah, five dollars exactly. yeah because everyone has the money therefore yeah. the money's worth less than it was before before 50 cents was a lot more valuable yeah that's, that's all they had that's the biggest thing like no one really understands what inflation is mm. and like oh i've seen it so much lately <laughs> that this idea that to combat um like famine and poverty why don't we just make more money yeah that's a big question that's been popping up on tiktok um and like my answer to that is we do mm. You know, why, why don't we print more money? Number one, uh, we do. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it. And, but number two is that if you continue to print money, money gets less valuable. Yeah. And that's the cool thing about Bitcoin. Mm. It's finite. Exactly. There's only a certain amount of Bitcoin. Yeah. What is which, it, like 21 million? 21 million or something. Yeah. So once all of the, all of those Bitcoins have been mined, you can't make more Bitcoin. Mm. Whereas this is an insane stat. 20% of the entire American economy was printed in the past year. Wow. Obviously, COVID's had a big impact on that. Australian yeah. government, for anyone who's not in Australia, you know, when COVID hit, they announced a $190 billion plan to give money to Australians so that they could help stimulate the economy. Yeah. Where did that $190 billion come from? Not a vault where they just keep yeah, this money, exactly. right? They printed it. Exactly. They didn't print it physically. They and, added zeros in a bank account. And our economy's in debt, so it's not like they just had these stores. Yeah. They've had to go into further debt. And the American economy is in like 30, 40 trillion. In Most, debt. The majority of the world is in debt. Yeah. Like, how does that even work? Exactly. I, honestly, I don't even understand how that works. How have, can the whole world be in debt? I have so many people ask me about that. And to be fair, I don't know the full answer either. But the biggest thing that I get is that we have three or four big economies that are in surplus. Those surplus units is what we refer to them like at uni, um, supply the deficit units with the money they need. And because the deficit units, which are the company, uh, the countries that are in debt, like Australia, yeah. America. Debt, deficit. Yeah. yeah. Because those countries use that money and invest it within their country, it's really hard to pay it back. Mm. But that's fine. Yeah. As long as that continues at a sustainable level, that like it won't impair the growth of, of our world. It won't do much in terms of the economic growth that mm. the globe sees. Um, but it is like a big thing that, we can't just keep printing money and assume that that means we have more money mm. because yeah, we have more pieces of paper like American bills or pieces of plastic for Australian bills. It's not worth as much. Yeah. And he, so the, the example is and there's a few examples. because I want to make sure people get this point. Cause look, I understand inflation is a, a weird thing to grasp when you, yeah. when you haven't come across it before. And it's, as I mentioned that the minty example before McDonald's big Mac used to be like $4.95. Mm. What happens when you print more money? 
McDonald's now charges twelve ninety five for it. Yeah. So it's like, oh yeah, you've got great, you've got more money. Yeah, but the burger's double the price. Yeah. You've and got it, double the amount of money, the burger costs double the amount yeah, yeah. double the amount of price. I think we have to jump into why that happens. Mm. So the big thing and like I'll use the burger example to explain it, is that say you have one Big Mac and you have five people who each have a dollar, and it goes back to the minty. You have five people who each have a dollar. Mac Mac is gonna charge a dollar for that Big Mac because mm. they know no one else can afford to buy it. Yeah. So as soon as Maccas introduce two Big Macs or five people turns into 10 people, all of a sudden there's less resources, but more people that want those resources, which means the price goes up. Mm. So that's what inflation is. It's supply and demand. Exactly. As we, as economies grow and as population grows, more people get more money, but we only have so many resources and those resources become more valuable as more mm. people want them. Yeah. That's why prices go up. Yeah. And like, Again, it's a very simple concept when it's explained like that, but no one explains it like that in school. Yeah, and like one, once again, like the question that we have is why can't we print more money? Well, we do print more money. The mm. question we need to be asking is what are the consequences of printing more money? Exactly, and that's where the that's where the deficit is. That's what's not taught. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. And look, America, they're predicting if America sustains this for the next two years, over the next two years, well, the, this last year and this year. 40% of the entire American economy could have been printed within the past two years. That's crazy. Which is just insane. Like, it's, what are the consequences a, of that? It's a multi-trillion dollar economy. Yeah. Trillion. Yeah. That's going to be massive consequences. We're going to see a lot of a big rise in inflation in America for sure. Mm. We'll see it in Australia for sure. Mm. And, you know, we're going to be paying off that $190 billion in Australia for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. there's a lot of stuff that, you know, this, a lot of the stuff goes over so many people's heads because they just, mm. they haven't got the basic understanding. So, as soon as they hear something about it on the news, they switch off because they don't understand a few words. Yeah. They'll say deficit. They'll say if inflation, deficit, pull out a few words that we've just mentioned. And if you don't understand what these words mean, then of course you're not going to understand what they're talking about. Yeah. But if you exactly. know what inflation means and someone says inflation is on the rise, you know, oh, that's not good. Yeah, exactly. And let's, let's try to bring it back down to earth for everyone who's listening because obviously our listeners can't go out and be like, oh, I'm going to go talk to the government and make sure they change this. Mm. Like that's not realistic. The, the, the reason I think we're talking about this is this fact that with your money, at this young age, you should just be trying to have money making more money than what inflation is. Mm. So if inflation's sitting at 2%, you should just be trying to figure out a way, which for me is investing in stocks, that will give you more than 2% return because it means your money is increasing. If it's less than 2%, then as prices go up, the value of your money goes down. And what I would say to listeners, because a lot of young people, right? Look, I get it. You're going to go, look, I'm 16 now. I only earn $100 a week. Should, isn't it better I just wait until I'm, you know, 23 and I've got a full-time job and I'm only a thousand bucks a week? I could save more in two weeks than I could in two months. Yes, but you need to build the habit. Mm. If you can start doing this now and you build the habit, by the time you hit a thousand dollars a week and you're 23 or whatever, you're going to, you're going to have that habit ingrained. So you're going to be really good with saving it and investing it. Mm. Most people won't. They'll get this big income and they'll go spend it. As soon as they get a big raise or a high income, they'll get a new car, they'll get a mortgage and suddenly they're trapped. Exactly. That's spot on. And that's what, so many people don't understand is this other thing of compound interest. If you start now with something little, mm. that snow, like think of a snowball. As yeah. it rolls down the hill, it picks up more snow. By the time it gets to the bottom of the hill, it's huge. And it starts off really small. Exactly. And it's going to keep, it's going to be small for a long time. And then it's going to hit like a critical mass. And then it's just going to Yeah. And the mark that we always talk about there is 10 years. Mm. After 10 years. So let's say you are at that, like for me, my first job was, I think I was 14. I was working at Macca's making 110 bucks a week. For me, if I put, say, $20 into an account each week and then at the end of each year invested it, I didn't. But if I did, that 
growth now would be equal to the size of the portfolio that I've built in the last year. Mm. Like, that's huge. And if you put $400 away a month, which, let's be real, it's not that much money. It's $100 no. a week. Very, very achievable. For 45 years at 10%, I think it's like $4.6 million. Exactly. And the next year after that would add like at least a million. Like it's, and that's maybe not a million, a bit less. A few hundred, probably a hundred yeah, thousand or two hundred thousand. Yeah. It'd um, add a lot. But that's what, comp- that's the whole idea of compounding is as it gets bigger, you make more. Yeah. And the longer you leave it in there, those last few years, and that's why retirement is such a big thing. And that's also why um, a whole other rabbit hole is Australian super. I was about to say that. Yeah, yeah. That's why super is so amazing. And like, oh, I cannot stress the importance of getting on top of super mm. at a young age mm. because you get to that point when you retire, if you've got this little nest egg of say three mil, four mil, and you're making 10% a year, that's three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000 a year mm. for doing nothing. Mm. It just like, and I mean literally nothing. You make that regardless of And if of you've what got you four mil, you could put it into stocks and just get dividends. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, there's a lot you, if you've got money, it's easy to make money. Yeah. If you've got that much money, you don't have to invest risky. You can just re- invest in very safe stuff when you're 45 or you know 65, whenever you want retiring. Yeah. And that's super important. And yeah. what percentage of Australians are on the dole? Are, you know, Way too many. At most. Yeah. Some, I think- it could be in the 90%. Yeah, possibly. Something ridiculous. Most Australians, when they retire, they're surviving with the government. Mm. And maybe at a property they bought. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a gnarly situation to be in. But I guess the other thing that I always fall back on is this lack of financial education. Mm. They like, And the doll's great for uni students. Like you talk about youth allowance. Oh, yeah. A lot of uni students need that. Um, but the problem is when you have adults relying on that income from the government to then just go spend it each week, mm. they will never get a leg up because they don't have anything to build on. Well, there's a big difference because the government is paying uni students and they're going to come back and enter the workforce and they're going to actually stimulate the economy. Yeah. Whereas retirements are just going to sit at home doing nothing. Yeah. They're not stimulating the economy at all. Yeah. They might go on a holiday here and there. And they're holiday, they holiday, they leave the country. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, fully. And that's like... The other fundamental of, I guess, money and something that I think you should learn as a young person is that the whole idea of making money when you're young is to build that asset that makes you money. It's Mm. not to spend it when you're young. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the biggest thing that I want to try and drill into people is I work a job. I work 30 hours a week. That money goes into investing. Mm. That investing pays me to buy stuff. Mm. I don't use that money to buy stuff. Mm. And that is like the biggest thing that I don't think young people understand. Yeah, and they said there's only three reasons you should ever stop investing. Number one, life circumstance, right? Something comes up, dad needs heart surgery, get into it, right? Or emergency, whatever, life circumstance. Number two is if you hit a time goal. So you say, look, I'm going to invest until I'm 30 years old and I'm going to pull some out and take a holiday. Great. You've invested until you're 30, you've hit that goal, reward yourself. Mm -hmm. Number three is a money goal. Mm. Maybe you invest until I've got $200,000 in my portfolio. Great. I'm going to take $10,000 out and go travel Europe. Exactly. They're kind of the three reasons that you should ever stop investing. Otherwise, just reinvest, reinvest, reinvest and keep reinvesting. And it's such an easy thing to do. Like you talk about the dividend reinvestment plan or DRP. Whenever you buy a stock that has a dividend, most of the time you can um, opt into this DRP and it automatically buys more stocks with the dividends that it gives you. And mm. for those who don't know, a dividend is when a company pays you a portion of its profit for yeah. owning that company. So you own a portion of that company, therefore it makes sense that you get a portion of the profit. Exactly. You're, you're entitled to it. Yeah. Um, so when that company pays you that dividend, it will buy more shares for you without you doing anything. 
and you've literally just been given another five or so shares. Yeah. Um, and that, once again, on this price. is a cool thing about technology, right? There's so much automation, yeah. which means you can be investing as like a part-timer. You don't have to. You, it used to be you had to be full-time. You had to be mm. like tracking the papers, doing everything. Now you can just set up automations on your bank account. Mm. You can set rules. You can go as far as setting rules. So if a stock drops to a certain point, you'll pull out. Exactly. Or if it hits a certain point, you'll pull out or whatever. Exactly. And it's not hard. Yeah. It's so simple. It's like, done I, apps. I look at my account maybe once or twice a week just because I'm interested. Yeah, same. But I don't do anything. Yeah. I, like, should, I should stop looking at it. It's yeah, just exactly. fun for me. Exactly. I just get a kick out of it. Yeah. And like for me, I actually, feel good. for me, I was talking to my mates. I love, honestly, look, I don't make much money right now because I'm, you know, making that short-term sacrifice because I make a lot of money in the future. But I'm like, man, I kind of just want to get a job just so I can like have more money to invest with and play with. Right? Yeah. And that's what, that's the, and something I'm so grateful for is this through COVID, all I focused on, because obviously you can't go out and spend the money as much as you used to. All mm. I focused on was saving as much as possible. And then I invested all last year and it has put me in the best position I could have hoped for right mm. now because I've started Uncle Nathan. I'm at uni again full time and COVID has wrecked the funding at school. So I'm not working as much. Mm. So I'm not making much money, but. I'm not stressed about my money anymore because I know if I really, really need it, I've got that sitting there. Yeah. Um, and that, that's something that I wish more people would understand is don't think now, think five, ten years in the future. Mm. Something might happen that you're not aware of or you don't see coming. And no, you're something need will money. happen yeah, that you're not aware yeah, of and exactly, you won't see coming. Exactly. It's guaranteed to happen. That's yeah. life. And yeah. Like you need to be prepared. You should have a three-month emergency fund. Mm-hmm. Look, I don't have that yet, but it's definitely one of my goals. Once I start mm. earning money and like have more stuff coming in, they say business should have a three-month emergency fund. Then you should have a three-month emergency fund for your personal life. Yeah, totally. It's like, and most Australians, once again, six weeks, I think. Three to six weeks they can survive off. Mm. If they lost their job, they've got three to six weeks where they can – that's all they've got and then they're out of money. Yeah, and the biggest thing mm, – I'm not sure if it's with youth, but the biggest thing in Australia at the moment is just a general trend is this idea that the majority of the mental health problems that – our country faces is because of money stress mm. financial stress is one of the most it's i think it's a leading cause of divorce yeah 100 percent it would yeah. be yeah if and you, look i'm a big i'm not a, i talk on the podcast look money is not equate to happiness there is so much more things however it is important mm. money, you need to have your finances sorted in sydney australia wherever you live you can google it figure out what it is they say anything past seventy five thousand dollars, your happiness begins to d- diminish yeah because you've hit that threshold where it's like, I've got enough money to survive very comfortably. I can have mm. a decent car. I can have a decent home. I can have everything I need because you don't have much financial stress. Anything past that, it gets very diminishing. Because yeah. anything past that, you're just going to get a nicer car, a nicer home. Exactly. It's not that satisfying. Yeah. And we learn a lot about that at uni is this idea of diminishing returns. So, like, as you – um, it's it's quite easy to think about when you compare – so, let's say – and like this was something in my life as well. When you're 13, 14 and you've got 20 bucks, you've got $20. You go to the shop and you spend $5 and you're like, oh my God, that was a quarter of my money. Yeah. Like that's a lot. And now you've got $200, you spend five and you throw it out like nothing. Mm. So as you make more money, it gets easier to spend those lower amounts, but you don't get as much value from it because- Basically inflation as well. Exactly. And like with $200, if you're spending five, you don't care what you're buying for the five. With $20, when you spend five, you care what you're yeah. buying for $5. It's like how you'll be like, oh, Jeff Bezos, he could just give me a million dollars and he wouldn't even notice, right? Yeah. It's because it's so small to him. Fully. Yeah, Diminishing fully. return. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely absurd. Honestly, he could give you a billion dollars and you probably wouldn't even notice. Yeah. Well, no, he doesn't have that on hand. His, but yeah. Exactly. That That's another thing I don't think people understand. Yeah. Well, that's you see on TikTok all the time. People I know. Hating on billionaires. Look, I don't think they're perfect. I don't think billionaires should exist, mm. but they do. 
that's the economy. That's we how live it works. We in a capitalist world. Yeah, and so they do. And yeah, it's whenever they go, Jeff Bezos could solve world hunger. It's like, no, no he couldn't. No, you'd have to get rid of Amazon to do that. And that would collapse basically so many jobs, like yeah. 20,000 jobs, plus probably a collapse of the American economy because it's such a beast. Exactly. There's so many people who rely on it. Yeah. And then also the World Health Organization put, um, it costs $250 billion a year to end world hunger. Yeah. He doesn't even have that. Exactly. So he might be able to stop it for a year and yeah. that's it. Exactly. And like, I think a lot of people don't understand that. If someone... Those people that are on the top of the world's richest list, like Elon Musk, Warren Buffett, Jeff Bezos, they don't have $156 billion in cash. In no. that. They, they don't log into the ComBank app and see $156 billion. I'd be surprised if they even have a billion yeah, liquid. Yeah, they probably wouldn't. Yeah. It's all in assets like shares or real estate or a business. That's why Elon Musk, I think he was the richest man and then he, then he dropped because Tesla dropped a tiny exactly. bit. He's got a massive stake in Tesla. So, he lost you know $20 billion overnight. Exactly. Does he care? Probably not. No. But it's going to well, go back up. That's even, the game. Even when Forbes tweeted that Elon Musk is now the richest person in the world, I saw his response and it was like, oh, cool. Oh, well, back to work. Yeah. For now. Yeah. He's the richest man for now. Right? Exactly. Um, yeah. They don't have that much money liquid. Mm. It's, yeah. And it's, I see it all the time. It, it's just not their classic example. There's so many uneducated people I see just through TikTok because it's very, I read a lot of the comments. I see a lot of people, people love to hate. Yeah. They love to hate on billionaires oh. for some reason. Look, once again. It's so easy because they'll never see it. Yeah. I like, once again, I don't believe billionaires should exist. I don't think anyone should have that much more money than one other person. It's unfathomable it's how much money excessive. they have. But they do. Yeah. We can't change that's that. That's real. And look, if you create a product or service that's in demand enough, you can become a billionaire. Yeah. In Australia, the richest woman in the world. Uh, in Australia, um, uh, Gina Reinhart. No, she got over. T- maybe oh, maybe the third richest woman is the CEO and founder of Canva. Oh yeah, she's worth like two point wow. two point eight billion. Yeah, right. What did she do? She created an app, Canva Design. The market responded. Now she's a billionaire. It's my favorite thing in the whole world. I love Canva. I Doesn't know. make her an awful woman because she's got a lot of money. No. She just solved a problem that a lot of people faced. Yeah, exactly. And that's what you and I are trying to do. We're yeah. trying to solve this problem that we think a lot of people are facing. Yeah. And obviously right now that's not making money and it was never our goal. And for me, it's not still my goal. For you, it's probably not still your goal either. No, it just gets to that point where you have to make it viable. Yeah. But the whole idea is we're passionate about solving this problem that we faced and that other people face. Mm. If you can do that, the bigger scale you do that, the more successful that solution will be mm. if it works. Business is just solving a problem. Exactly. In my episode with Dale Beaumont, where we talk about how to start a business, he goes, the first thing you need to do for starting business, what's the problem you want to solve? Yeah. How do you find that? What's something you're interested in? The example he used was, let's say you do surfing, mm. and every day you see people are riding on their boards, holding their surfboard as you ride. Yeah, the yeah. problem is I've got to hold their board. Yeah. All right, what's the solution? What if I create some sort of gadget that can attach to the bike and they can lock their surfboard in here? Yeah. That's a solution. And it holds, them for, holds it for them. Exactly. Yeah, genius. So I think the biggest thing and like something that I struggle with for a long time because when I was younger, I, I wanted to start all these different businesses. But I was starting them with the idea of making money. Yeah, That's you didn't have a problem. problem to solve. Exactly. And, and you same, have to be passionate about that problem as well. Same with podcasting. I'm oh, big yeah. in the podcasting world. Everyone starts a podcast, so they just want to start a podcast. You know, like the top podcasters you'd think would be like, you know, David Dobrik or, you know, mm. these top YouTubers and stuff. No, they actually don't do that well. No, no, no. Look, David Dobrik obviously does well because he's so massive. Same with Logan Paul. But the, the B tier YouTubers and stuff, they normally give up. They don't get a very good response because they're just starting it for the sake of starting a podcast. They're yeah, like, exactly. oh, I've got an audience. Maybe it's another way to make money. Exactly. They're not starting it because they have a problem to solve. They're not trying to get it out there. With my podcast, I literally, I didn't even want to start a podcast. I was like, mm. I have this problem I want to solve. What's the best way to get it out there? Yeah. And I thought, oh, I, 
and then I went to a podcasting conference and I realized how powerful that was. And I was like, yeah, totally. a podcast. And then I went, then I could film the podcast. I could use the video skills I've developed over the past two years. I could mm. cut those up and post that and use that as content and do all this other stuff, blah, 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 blah. Exactly. And that's the outlook I have with Uncle Nathan and with our new podcast, the Post School Podcast, is I'm not making a podcast for any other reason but to provide as much value as possible for whoever's listening. Like, mm. that's our motto is if I can help one person a day, it's been a good day. Yeah. That, and that's what business should be is if you can help one person overcome their problem today, you've done well. Yeah. That's why you went into it. That's, it should be why you went into it. Mm. That's what's going to keep you going when times get tough. Do you know what passion. the cool thing is? A changed life changes lives. Mm. If you help one person, maybe they go help someone. Mm. Bang, compounding. It's trickle down effect. Trickle down over two, three, four, five weeks, mm. years. Like that, it's massive. It's massive. A change life changes lives, and I've had it. I've had people message me like, "Oh, you know, your podcast has changed my life." Blah blah blah. Then I say, "I got my friends onto it." It's like, yeah, there's nothing better than that. Hundred percent, and it happens so quickly as well. Yeah, like you start with three people. Those three people tell one other person. Mm. You've all of a sudden got three people times another three people, nine people. Because we're so fixated on massive numbers, like you know, you'll see like a podcast gets two hundred downloads, right? You'll be like, "Oh, that's not that much." It's like. 200 people sat down and listened to me. If you were in a room yeah. of 200 people presenting, would you be scared? Yeah. It's a lot of people. And like, I'm guilty of thinking like that as well. Like, so the, am I. the Uncle Nathan Instagram the other day, when we first made it, we had 400 people and I was disappointed because big businesses, big brands have hundreds of thousands. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, 400 people. Yeah. And literally, my girlfriend said to me, she was like, that is 400 people. If you had those 400 people in a room, you would yeah. be so scared to talk in front yeah. of them. I was like, yeah, you're right. And I would be. And one thing you have to remember is usually, look, these big companies, they buy followers. Most yeah. of them have buy, and you can see it. They'll have like 100,000 followers and they'll get, you know, 50 likes on a photo. And it's like, hmm, totally. that the doesn't really link up. engagement is not high. Exactly. And that's one thing. Like for me, like my Instagram account, like I, I kind of like this dream. Like I don't really care about Instagram too much. If I can grow it, great. I just use it for personal and I've got my business account as well because i would love to have like the highest ratio of smallest amount of followers the highest amount of engagement yeah and i do have pretty good engagement on my instagram account yeah because i don't push i don't really promote it the only people who get finding are the ones who are actively want to follow me because i've come through tiktok totally totally and so yeah that's a whole nother conversation where we're getting to like you know delay gratification comparing yeah. yourself to brands or Such businesses thing, or yeah. people who have more followers than you yeah even comparing yourself to someone who's a few years older than you yeah like I, I find myself comparing to you mm. and I'm like, oh, whoa, like Byron's doing this so awesomely. He's got everything sorted out. And then I'm there like struggling, drowning. But like, I'm sure you sit there like feeling the same about someone who's four years older than you. Yeah. And like, it's such a big thing that I think people have to get through the head is it's your journey. You're figuring it out. Someone else is on a similar journey, but it's, you're not living their life. But Focus also, on you're living yours. Yeah. Like if you compared yourself to 19 year old Byron, You'd be ahead. I hadn't even started the podcast. That's that an stuff. interesting perspective. So it's like, yeah, you, you know, there's that book analogy. It's like, don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter five mm. or chapter 20. Yeah, that's that sums up exactly what I was trying to say. It's you, And it's it's such a trap. It's so easy to do. It's oh, so it easy to compare yourself that's to other people. That's the problem with social media. Yeah. Is it you, you scroll through these feeds of, and it must be so hard for girls. Like I see my sister doing it yeah. all the time, my girlfriend doing it. They scroll through these feeds of fitness models who Absolutely. eat like ridiculous diets and train ridiculously and they're probably genetically blessed as well exactly and they and probably edited heaps yeah and they're comparing themselves yeah and feeling depressed or it's that's a touchy word to use these days but feeling upset about not being the same yeah 
Oh, um, look, I think girls definitely have the short end of the stick when it comes to social media in comparison oh, yeah. because, you know, girls just post a lot more revealing photos, as I find. Totally. Guys usually are probably a bit more authentic with their pictures. With girls, as you mentioned, they, they, have a, they put a lot more of themselves into their pictures. Yeah. And so as a result, you're comparing themselves to all these girls who are, are doing it, taking photos at golden hour where they've got perfect lighting. Like I saw this amazing video and I was like, when you are looking at a beautiful sunset, mm. you see, oh, that's stunning. And then you pull out your phone. And then, you know, you take a photo and it looks nowhere near as good on the phone. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that's what it's like on Instagram. Exactly. You know, you're beautiful. You're like that sunset. But just because it's captured on this phone, it doesn't capture your beauty all the time. Exactly. And we talk about, I had an episode with one of my mates, Warwick Wazza. We talk about this idea of social media influencers only post their highlights. Yeah. Instagram is a highlight reel. You don't see them sitting on the couch eating a tub of ice cream Mm. at nighttime looking through their feed and comparing themselves to other people. Yeah. You don't see that. So you don't it oh, I wish people would understand that everyone feels like you do. Yeah, everyone thinks that I'm the only one. Yeah. Oh, I'm the only one comparing myself. I'm the only one who's not successful. I'm the only one who has no idea what I want to do in my life. No. Everyone feels like that. Exactly, exactly. And like I think that's even heightened when you're um when you as you get older because especially when you don't have school anymore where everyone's doing the same thing yeah you're like oh crap that person started a business should i be there yet yeah it's like no he might have started a business but i'm sure he's sitting there going what the hell am i doing yeah it's the same status chasing Mm. so many people graduate uni and they'll go they'll get a finance job why do they want a finance job because it's a high status role. Exactly. By getting a finance job, when I tell that to people, they'll go, oh, wow, impressive. They'll think I'm smart. Mm. It'll give me the money I can use to get a nice watch, a nice car, a nice home. Half of them end up dropping out of it anyway. Yeah. Or, yeah, leaving it and doing something else. It's it's crazy. And they probably feel bad about doing that because they think people judge them on their job. Yeah. And that's such... It's so sad to me that that's how we're conditioned. It's some... And the thing is, condition is a good word there because we don't... Look, I'm... I feel like I'm mature enough to understand when I see someone that's a highlight reel. Mm. It still subconsciously gets to you, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. It doesn't. And like I've unfollowed everyone that I don't like. I just try follow really, you know, my people I actually like. Yeah, yeah. Pages. I honestly don't even follow that many influencers, not mm. fitness models, but even just like people like me who put out content. Yeah. Which I feel like I put out content which is enriching your life as opposed to bringing it down. I try yeah, to. Yeah. Likewise. But even a lot of people I've stopped started following them because I would compare myself to how many views and stuff they got. Yeah, totally. And totally. That's, you just got to stay in your own lane. You're on your own race. Exactly. The only person you should compare yourself to is yourself two weeks ago. Exactly. And it, it's okay to look at other people's success and be like, I want that and yeah. strive be towards inspired it. inspired by it. Yeah, that is okay. But as long as you're not comparing and saying, I should be there. Yeah. That's the problem. And we're, we're talking about it right now like we're above all this. No we're, way. We're not. Like, I'm so early stages in my exactly. journey. I'm not, I'm not making, I'm making barely any money from this. I have not much money. We talk, yeah. we talk about money and investments. Like, yeah, yeah. I know the education, I do do it, but I don't have much money on me because exactly. I'm, you know, putting so much time and work into this, which doesn't give me much money yet. Yeah, we're not there yet. We're just trying to inspire other people to come on the journey with us. Yeah, that's a picky key thing. I say I'm not an expert. I'm a guide. You know, exactly. You like like David Attenborough. Yeah. You know, you're you're exploring this together. I exactly. bring on people like you so I can explore topics together. Yeah. I try to put myself in the shoes of my listeners. It's like when you say dividends, mm. what the hell does that mean? Yeah. So what's dividends? Yeah, exactly. You know and I mean? that's that's another thing that I think we both try and incorporate into our lives and i think more people should incorporate into their lives and it should be taught in school is that you learn the most from number one from your mistakes and number two from others yeah if you can incorporate both of those things together you're going to learn so much every single day it's insane Follow the recipe 
Exactly. Follow the blueprint. blueprint. Books are blueprints. Mm-hmm. That, that course that we mentioned, the free course on the ASX website, mm. that's a blueprint on how to trade. Exactly. It's free. Mm-hmm. Books are $10. Get a library card. Yeah. This podcast totally. is free. This podcast is a blueprint. Exactly. And that's all it, That's all we want it to be. Yeah. We don't want someone like, uh, where was I going with that? We don't, we don't want someone to look at what we produce and say, oh, that's cool. Now I'm going to do something different. We yeah. want you guys to listen and be like- I love what these guys are saying. I'm going to apply it in my own lives. Yeah. Um, that's the whole point is that we're trying to teach what we've learned to help other people learn the same yeah. thing. Nothing makes me happier than when I get messages of people saying, look, oh, I just got an internship based off what you did with the podcast. It's like, oh, what do you do? I just message a few people. <laughs> that's all it takes, right? Exactly. Like there's simple stuff. I've had heaps of messages of people saying, you know, you know, I decided to drop out of uni or I decided to go to uni because of yeah. what you said. I switched my degrees or, you yeah, know, there's yeah. so many. I actually... The best for me was a girl, I, I was speaking with her on Zoom and she's just like, you know, because of your podcast, I actually questioned what I wanted to do after high school. Yeah. Before that, she was just going to go straight into a degree. And I was like, you know what? That's what the goal of my podcast is. Mm. I just want people to question what they're doing after school. And it's I don't fine want if they end up on the same road. I don't want them to drop out of uni. I don't yeah. want them to do this or do whatever. It's totally up to you. Everyone's different. I just yeah. want you to sit down and question, is this what you want to do? Exactly. What are the options? Yeah. If I, if I want to bail, how, how do I get out of it? How much is it going to cost you? Exactly. What's the opportunity cost? A big one, right? Mm. What's the opportunity cost? Yeah, and not many people understand that whole thing. And I think that's that's why it's so important to try and expose yourself to as many different experiences as possible because it's really hard to figure out what you want to do. Of course. Unless you've tried a few things. You've got to taste it, right? Exactly. You're, from 18 to 25, you need to taste as many things and you need to fail as many times as you can. Oh, yeah. 100%. There is no winning or learning. It's, oh, no, sorry, I ruined it. There is no winning or losing. <laughs> Only learning. Winning or learning, right? Yeah. yeah. You don't lose. You 100%. don't fail. You 100%. learn. 100%. And look, at the time, it might suck. Mm. I yeah, lost, it hurts. Yeah. I lost my phone last weekend. That's why I got this brand new fancy phone. Oh, that's why you weren't replying to my text. Yeah, literally. That's literally why. Because <laughs> yeah, I lost it on Sunday at <laughs> freaking beach. Dropped in the ocean. Rough. Right? Yeah, really rough. So annoying. I'm just like, this yeah, is- Yeah, that's brutal. It's expensive. I, I was not planning on upgrading for a while. Super mm-hmm. annoying. But, you know- Shit happens. Shit happens. And I'll, I'll learn from it. Exactly. I'm not going to drop in the ocean again. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the biggest thing. And we should- I try and encourage people to do that as much as not drop their phone in the ocean. Yeah, yeah. I try and encourage people to try as many different things as possible, no matter what they think of it, because yeah. oftentimes you get to the other end and your perception of what that experience was going to be is so completely different. Of course, if you want to be a lawyer, go work and shadow a lawyer for a few weeks, see what it's really like. Yeah. It's probably not like suits. Spot on example. I, <laughs> during school, I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm. I like reading. I like writing. Yeah. Lawyer sounds good. My dad took well me. Paid. Exactly. Your parents will be happy. Exactly. Yeah. My dad took me into his lawyer's office. The second I walked in, I was like, there is no way on earth I want to be here. Yeah. It's just not me. And being a lawyer is perfect for some people, but it wasn't me. Mm. And I never would have, I probably would have gone to uni wanting to do law if I didn't do that. Imagine. Yeah. And imagine after like five years and then you go and sit in there and you're like, holy crap, this isn't what I want to do. But mm. I've just invested $100,000 in five years of my life. I can't pull out now. And mm. suddenly 20 years later, you're still working in a law degree that you never wanted to do. Exactly. It's the, oh, I just, I wish people could understand that idea of mm. if you think you want to do something, Give it a try first with the lowest amount of consequences. I'm not yeah. saying go spend 10K to travel to another country to see if you want to live there. That's not realistic. Mm. I'm just saying give something a go to see if it's right for you and then you'll know. Don't be a lawyer. Just go shadow one. Exactly. And shadow, you can almost, you can probably shadow most people. If you can convince them, you can shadow almost anyone. Mm. If someone reached out and said, hey, Byron, I'm in Sydney. I'd love to shadow you for a week. Yeah, sure. You can shadow me for a week. Yeah. No absolutely. one's ever done that. 
fully. Because no one will do that. I would do that. Post, yeah, well, people just won't, yeah. right? Because they just, they'll, they'll overthink, oh, is he, would he let me do that? What if he says no? What if it, it's like, what if he says no? He says no. Yeah, exactly. That's who, the, oh. Who cares? the biggest thing. Like, don't get too wrapped up into it. Yeah. I message people all the time and I get no responses. Mm. Very oh. rarely will people say no, they just won't, they'll just ignore you and you oh, just move on. 100%. Like, and Uncle Nathan was in the paper um, yesterday for the first time and a lot of people were congratulating me on it and like, yeah, it's a big thing. Like, I was stoked. Don't get me wrong. But like, before that happened, I sent a similar email to about 50 different people mm. and one person replied. Mm. One person out of 50. Like, that idea of just giving it a go is what gets you places. And I think so many people are afraid to take that first step is if you want something, try and get it. Mm. Don't want it and just sit back hoping it happens yeah. because it won't. it won't. It won't. No, you've got to put in the work. Yeah. Anyways, dude, we've got to wrap this up. No and um, before we jump off, I always ask every guest this question. What's your number one piece of advice for the younger generation? Oh, it's an interesting one. And we've probably already mentioned it, but we'll just, you know, say it again. My number one piece of advice is, yeah, like we were just talking about is being as insanely open-minded as possible while you're young Mm. trying as many different things as you possibly can while we still can because that's the only way you're going to find yourself 100 percent. that's such a common answer Mm. not to discourage you or anything but but it just highlights how important it is it's probably one of my answers as well exactly it's a difficult question to answer taste try Mm. as many things be as open-minded as possible you know i was talking with a um, a friend of mine and she does an exercise called oh, what does she call it devil's advocate or something yeah, basically yeah. whenever she says i'm going to be devil's advocate mm. any topic any of the girls talk about she will play the opposite exactly doesn't matter po- what it is poke holes in the story it could be the most horrific thing and she would like no nah, it's just i'm playing devil's advocate yeah it could be something like i don't know i don't, I don't want to say any examples in case they're rude <laughs> but like i don't know say like you know hitler was a bad guy mm. no he's actually a good guy <laughs> devil's ad- advocate right yeah. because she wants to get critical thinking oh, the, they want to problem solve they want to come over that no, no he did all this yeah mm. but he actually stimulated the i don't know whatever yeah, it is 100 yeah, could be the most extreme example but the yeah. point is because it's, it's a game it's engaging 100%, 100%. they're critically thinking they're being open-minded yeah that's actually something we're taught in case team all the time and not to drag it on but like this idea of you think you've got something great. The only way to test it is to not be able to show that it's not great. Mm. That's what the devil, ad- yeah. devil's advocate is all about. Yeah. If you can't poke a hole in that, then it is good. It's yeah. solid. And my favorite example of being open-mindedness, and then we'll f- wrap it up, is a guy, um, he was actually on the Joe Rogan show. I haven't listened to it, but I just know he he's a black man and he befriended, I think, 300 members of the KKK. Wow. Uh, like he sat down and had lunch with like 300 members. Whoa. And I think he's gotten 250 to hang up their robes, including some of the clan leaders. Wow. Now, most people would go, they hate me for the color of my skin. I never want to see them get out of here, horrible yeah, people. Yeah. Totally valid. They are. Mm. But he was open-minded and he went, why, do, why don't I sit down with them? Totally. What, if I, what will happen if I sat down with them? Totally. And he's got a whole story about it. You can Google him. Mm. You know, he's incredible. He sat down with all these members of the KKK. And as a result, a lot of them hung up their robes. Yeah. Ray Dalio talks about it all the time is this idea of being radically open-minded. Yeah, yeah. It's just being, it's just having the mindset to try things. That's all it is. It's as mm. simple as that is. And especially if it scares you. Yeah. If you're scared of something, give it a go and see if your you being scared of it was warranted or not yeah because oftentimes it's not discomfort precedes victory i remember if it feels uncomfortable you should probably do it yeah 100 percent. anyways dude thank you so much for coming on the show if people want to find out more about you know uncle nathan they want to listen to your podcast where's the best place to go yeah so my instagram at uncle nathan co has most of the information there 
Um, we all, we have the website, which is UncleNathan.com, and the podcast is called The Post School Podcast, which you can find on most major streaming platforms, yep. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. And that'll be linked below, but yep. I assume it's all linked in your Instagram. Easiest place to go. It is. Otherwise, dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. Cheers for having me on, Byron. I've loved it. Thanks so much for listening to this entire episode. That is crazy you decided to stick around for so long. I hope you got some value out of that episode. And I just wanted to let you know, if you are enjoying the show, but you want to take your learning to the next level, I'm running a six-week coaching program specifically for the listeners of this show. Over six weeks, we cover how I have grown my network and met so many amazing people, how to organize your money and invest. I help you figure out what you want to do with your life and give you some career guidance. We do goal setting and set you up with some awesome goals and so much more. I keep these groups very very, very small so you all get some one-on-one time with me personally and if you're interested and want to find out more or apply just go to www.drivenyoung.com forward slash coach that is www.drivenyoung.com forward slash coach the link is in the show notes below otherwise thank you so much for listening to this episode it's so awesome you stayed all the way to the end i love you and all the best